Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the Roxborough Roundtables. My name is Elena and I am the student director of the tables. Today our topic is working internationally with our host Tracy, the director of Jefferson. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Tracy DePeter. I'm the director of the Career Services Center at East Falls. Um, we're talking today about working internationally. We're going to begin um, with everyone going around the room and introducing themselves and maybe a little bit about your background and experience with this topic. Uh, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Lachman. I am a graduate student in Thomas Jefferson University in construction management program. I am also working as a full-time intern, project engineer intern in a uh, construction industry company. Uh, my experience, I, I have 12 years experience in my country and then uh, my wife and I, we had a decision to move to this country and start a new life here. So, I'm just where you're from, what country? Uh, Turkey. I'm Madeline Wilcox. I'm the Director of International Domestic Study Away Programs here at Jefferson East Falls. Um, so my job is international right now. I'm based in East Falls, but I work internationally um, with partner programs around the world. Um, but this, I began um, my interest in working international, internationally and going abroad. When I was an undergrad, I interned abroad in China. Um, and then I worked abroad, I taught English in China, um, and I did grant programs focused on Chinese language and literature. And so I've had different experiences abroad, and I'm very happy to continue with that. Um, I'm Laura Vickertsarello, I am the Associate Director for Internships in the Career Services Center at East Falls. Um, I, during my own professional career, have primarily been um, in uh, United States roles, but I had the chance to work partnered with um, staff in our international offices at a previous institution I worked at and travel abroad with groups of students as part of that. Um, and here primarily, I, you know, working with internships and students looking for internships, whether they are domestic or international, and I work a lot with our international students who are looking to work here in the United States. Oh, I'm Michael Quest. I'm a Law Society uh, freshman. I don't know what's the, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Hello, everyone. My name is Dean Bonomo. I'm the director of the ESL program here, Bridge Education. Um, so I have a lot of experience abroad. I initially got into ESL teaching when I was a volunteer in Costa Rica. I've lived in Spain. I've lived in Taiwan. Um, so I'd love to contribute some of my own perspective. My name is Patrick Ryan, I'm the Associate Director for Career Services here at Jefferson East Falls, and I don't have any experience working abroad, but this is obviously a topic that a lot of our students are interested in, so I'm very excited to, to join the conversation. Hi everyone, my name is Chino Azamala, I'm from Nigeria, and I'm also a graduate student in the um, Masters of Global Fashion and Arts here in Jefferson East Falls. I have 12 years of work experience back in my home country. I have spent five years working in international bank. I've also worked with um, Belgian designers and London designers back in Nigeria, World Nigeria, London. And, yeah. and now I, I'm sort of worker with um, Anna, the director of the yeah, international program. Thank you. I'm Caitlin. I'm a first-year law society major. I was also Evan Lane. I'm the director of the society major, that's why I see these people here with me. Um, my experience comes with this travel. I went to Nexus abroad to India for three weeks. And as far as the visa questions, I have a lot of experience dealing with some of our professors who have been put to hell because of visa experience, especially under the present government. So I'd be interested in what you guys have to say. Hi, Hannah Barghura, Director of International and Exchange Student Programs on the East Falls campus. My office takes care of the incoming international students, welcome, including Gina, who is working in my office. I um, have um, lived and worked abroad uh, many years ago, but mostly now I deal with the students. Hi, I'm Mariel Tulante, and I'm a professor in the Hallmarks program. My field is Italian studies, and I am now here currently working abroad. Because <laughs> I came to America as a graduate student and I got my PhD here, so I you know, have experience of student visas personally. And then I got a job here at Jefferson, so I have experience of working 
in study abroad because this is abroad for me. I also because you know I have lived in Italy as well, although I didn't actually work there because I was a student. All right, thank you, everyone. Um, well, one of the reasons we wanted to bring this topic to the roundtable is we do have a lot of students inquiring about opportunities um, to work abroad. We also have our international student population that wants to stay here and work in, uh, in the U.S. So I guess just to throw it out there um, for, for the group, how, how best can students go about making decisions um, to work not in their home country or you know, what's kind of a good first step for students to take? So um, I'll start when students are, you know, in undergraduate here in the U.S. and at universities in other countries, there's opportunities to, to study in different countries. And this can be a way of understanding um, what it's like to live in another country, to kind of go for a short period of time to explore, to network, to figure out, is this something you want to do long term, or just even find those connections. As you know, in finding a job, it's important to know people, to know kind of the field. Um, and so as a student, that's a good time to get started. I know that's what helped me decide, okay, I want to try this out for a little bit, but it also made me realize kind of what span of time you want to, st you want to go and where you want to go and what skills you need, what language you might need um, to, to work somewhere and spend, you know, as short as time as two months, but potentially the rest of your life in a different in a different country. So getting um, an initial experience um, before kind of committing to a longer plan or helping to decide a longer plan is, is one way to go about that. And you know Jefferson has those opportunities, and other universities and grad programs have those international experiences built in that you, you can start with. And also, if you um, if you go and study somewhere else, like so, I came from England to here. That got me a visa. And then, if you come here on a student visa, you can, ex you know, in, in America, you have the option of having a year afterwards of what's called optional practical training, which allows you to find a, it gives you a year's grace period in which to find a job. So, I mean, it differs from country to country, but being going into a, a program of study is also a way to navigate the visa. Yeah. Because initially, at least you'll have you might have some support from the university abroad. And for for the UK, the, the tier five visa, yeah. for instance, there's visas for recent graduates where you yeah. can go and work. In China, it's the foreign expert visa if you're teaching um, English or working with um, short-term employment. So so each yeah. country has certain different things. But if you go there as a student, you might be able to talk to people and understand that process um, on the ground. Teaching English, I imagine, would be an excellent way to get actually. Yeah, so I, I would imagine, I mean, for many students, the ESL program does provide them a window into what their opportunities would look like here on campus. It gives them a really nice taste of what university life is like without necessarily taking these very intensive academic courses. Um, so the bridge program that we offer here does sort of give students that experience, that early exposure. Um, it can be very difficult and challenging to immerse yourself in another culture. And we know all the language, um, the language challenges that come with that. So what we offer does allow students to have that early exposure, which I think is very beneficial for their learning, long-term learning. With the foreign students coming here, are you having any problems with getting them here and keeping them here regarding the recent uh, anti-immigration yeah, so, I mean, I would say, I mean, as many people are aware, universally enrollment is down with many ESL programs. The political climate is not necessarily conducive to, I mean, to learning, really. People aren't as motivated. They don't feel, they don't feel the strong appeal as, you know, I mean, as intensely. So I would say that it, this has, we have seen a lot of evidence of that. Um, and what we're doing, what working, what we are working with today is trying to determine the best way forward and what would work long term. Trying to get students interested in implementing different kind of systems so that people, you know, are aware of what you know what coming to the U.S. would mean for them long term. So. And I'm not, I really don't know these so great mm -hmm. to get answer these questions. So say I'm coming from um, a foreign country, say from. 
Egypt, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I'm coming here as a student. I apply. Yeah. Okay. Now, how, what gets me in here uh, legally? So. So. <laughs> So a student coming to the United States will first must get admission to the institution that they want to study at. They get a document from the institution called an I-20. Well, they, there's a variety of documents, but let's just say that. They have to show that they have money to pay for their studies. Well, four for, years? Or just for one full year, liquid money for one full year before they can even get that document. Then they take that document to the consular office in their country to apply for the student visa. Then they come into the country. Then they have to go through the inspections at the door of entry. And one thing we see with, it's it's similar when, when students are going and applying for a visa in other countries, either for a short-term semester or for graduate program. Um, student, you have to have funds. You have to have enrollment. You have to meet certain um, language and travel requirements. Um, it's getting in response to some of the um, new interpretations of our immigration laws. Um, other countries are having tougher interpretations of uh, reciprocity. of reciprocity. So visas are, are reciprocal. If the United States makes changes in how we grant visas, it can impact the visas that American citizens get. Um, go, without even the change of laws, but just certain interpretations of the laws are going to be tighter. So things like what needs, what type of financial documents need to be shown, how much money in a financial document, and that can have that can increase barriers um, to students, and it can increase, um, it can discourage um, international employment. We see it's there's still a lot of interest and excitement, and maybe a lot of people wanting to go somewhere else and kind of escape certain political climates, um, but there's also leads to a lot of fear and, and a lot of more barriers in yeah. terms of um, mobility, global mobility. Yeah, to that point, the initial motivation is still intact, but when students encounter this stringent paperwork and a lot of these barriers, they do feel discouraged. Is there a vetting process? Because you've been hearing about that. Do they have to be interviewed by any of our national security people? When, when they apply for the visa, yeah, and Lockman could say what he I can't talk to about They apply for the visa at the Department of State. Is the visa? It runs the Department of Justice, Department of State runs the visa offices in the foreign countries. So they do have to, in many cases, have to have an interview to apply for that visa. And then so, maybe the students that went through it can talk about yeah. that. So it's, it's like a long process. Like if I talk about my career, I was on the top. Like I was a CM, CM is construction manager in my country. So my wife, she's also the same, she's a resident doctor. But when we first decided to come here for education, it, it, it took one year for preparation. First to find a college, get an acceptance, paperwork, and liquid money, some, uh, and then take an interview, for example. Like in Turkey, it's, it, it always has a political uh, relation to get a visa or other stuff. Like in my time, Turkey and US had great relations. It was so easy for me to get a visa. But now, uh, like I have a friend, we were in the same situations. Like he's a civil engineer, he, but like three months ago, he couldn't get any visa. He visited 20 countries, but I don't know, they just rejected for <laughs> because they don't tell you why they reject your visa. What kind of visa was he applying for? They're from student visa. Student visa, yeah. So just because you're accepted here, does it? and you have the money. Yeah, it doesn't. Does Correct. Does it mean you're even, even if you are in the airport. Even back, even the last, you know, many, many years, there's always been projects. So you're saying you could even fly over here yeah. anticipating this visa and be denied. Yeah, it can be. Like, if you enter in the airport, still you have, you have a chance that not to enter the country. Right. Well, they always so. say at the airport that... Even having a visa is no guarantee to enter. Yeah, no you guarantee. Still There's do an no inspection, guarantee. you know, a very quick question thing. So, but mostly they get it. Yeah, yeah for uh, I think they don't encourage people. Like I can compare with other countries. My brother now is in Australia, Sydney, and he's an engineer also, electrical engineer. He doesn't have experience like me and money like me. But that country welcomes the educated people more than the U.S. nowadays. In that situation, I guess. 
And just one more question following through. So say they came here, it's summer, they want to go home and see their family. Is there a problem coming back once you go back? Do you go through additional problems? Or is it just... It should not be a problem. Yeah. If you're going back to continue, if you're coming back to continue your studies, mostly it's no problem. However, the length of the actual visa, it, it, as Madeline uh, referred to, there's a reciprocity. So certain countries will get a visa for a year, certain countries will get a visa for five years. And if that, that country gives the U.S. students a visa for a year, then we only give for a year and the other way, I don't know which came first. So some students will have to renew the visa before they can come back in. If they can stay here as long as they're studying, they don't have to leave. But if they leave, they still have to have a valid visa to return. So that depends on the length of their visa. And, and, and um, you know, which, so that would be an added step. But I haven't heard of any problems necessarily as these returning mm -hmm. to their, you know, <coughs> bona fide student returning to their studies. They should be able to return. Yeah, and our students in the bridge program aren't guaranteed a valid I-20 until the end of our terms. But we run on an eight-term uh, schedule. So they are sometimes here for shorter durations, and then they return after, say, a few months at home. So they're happy with cases. And, and so it really matters what your home, what your country of citizenship is, and the country that you're going to is yep. going to determine. So it's, it's you got to look at those two components on what um, the visa process would be, and also what type of job, what type of experience um, you're, you're looking at. And then even funny things like how you're flying in. So um, when, when students or people who, are, who have work visas are going to the UK, for instance, you shouldn't fly through Ireland because of the, there's a, a border treaty and they want your visa, you won't get a visa when you go that way. So there's all these, these little things that, you know, depending on where you're coming from and where you're going, um, you, you want to, to check out, you want to talk to people about, um, because they may seem small, but they can have a, a really big impact um, being out of, out of status with your immigration paperwork um, has a big impact and can, you know, decades of, of, um, of impact on your life. Yeah, despite having so many assurances with your visa, there's still so many contingencies with the DSA, regardless. If we're talking generally about American students trying to go and work abroad, like not in America, so American students trying to go and work in the rest of the world, yeah. I was thinking, you know, if teaching English, you said you would, you've taught English in different parts of in different countries. I mean, I would imagine that that was a good, you know, so we've talked about, you know, studying as a way to get abroad, to get your foot in the, in the door a little bit and to have some experience, make some connections. Teaching English, you have a skill, don't you? You know, you can, it's, a, it's in demand. Is, it, is that a good way to just initially get abroad? And try to then find your feet a bit, or see you know see how things are. Whether you like the country, whether you what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Yeah. What do what's the, what, what, could you talk well, about English has always been seen as the lingua franca, the, the universal language. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the word they use. Um, but uh, yeah, so for for English, I mean, it has widespread appeal, especially with, you know, westernization. We see we see movies that are all in English, Hollywood. So, um, Dean, how did you get to yeah. teach English in Costa Rica? Yeah, so from my what personal experience, yeah. so I, um, I was an English major at St. Joe's. Um, I was fascinated with language to begin with. Um, I specialized in writing. Um, I wanted to have a broad experience immediately after college. I hadn't really... I lived abroad in Spain as a, as a study abroad student for six months, um, so I had exposure to Spanish as well. I wanted to improve my Spanish. I wanted the opportunity to work as a volunteer, to have real hands-on experience with people in not the most ideal circumstances. Um, so I volunteered in a small mountain community called Atenas in, uh, in Costa Rica. And there I worked, it was beautiful, I worked near coffee plantations with people of all different ages. Um, that initial experience for me was so rewarding that I wanted to, I wanted to have long-term experience with teaching. So how did you, but how did you volunteer? Was there an organization? Was it an English yeah. teaching organization? Was it an aid organization? What was it? So I volunteered through an organization called IFRE, International Field Research Expeditions, that I essentially found through Facebook. <laughs> um, 
But so I was actually only there for two and a half months, um, and I worked completely as a volunteer. Um, I lived with a host family. So with that experience, for me, I can say from my own personal experience, I had a lot of I had a lot of interactions with the family at home, and I worked with the community as I became sort of a member of the community in an interesting way, and that really inspired me to follow this career path. I ended up getting my master's in teaching English. And, um, so yeah, I think it is critical to be able to convey to people the importance of the language and for that to be seen as valuable, um, and for people to want to pursue it. And when I taught, I taught English right when I graduated, and I thought it might be something that I wanted to continue. It turned out it was something where it was a great experience for a year, but I decided I wanted to try something something a little different, but it got me experience in the, in the country. Um, I learned about different opportunities. I'm still connected with, with a lot of my, my colleagues, some of whom are teachers and some of whom have gone on, on to other things. Um, but it was a great um, introduction to an international career and also working with different types of students, um, learning a different education system, and that helps with my career now, is understanding how different education systems work. Um, and so it's not, it's something that, I think a lot of students in Jefferson East, well, we don't have an education major, um, but a lot of students will want to continue abroad, and I think even if maybe that isn't your ultimate career goal, those years right after, you know, you graduate, it's, it develops a lot of skills um, and a lot of exposure and uh, it's, it's something worth exploring, even though it might not match with, with your major right away. I have students who visit exactly one society. Uh, four years ago, he left uh, to China on a similar thing. He volunteered initially to teach English, and then they hired him as a full-time teacher. And he's been teaching and making money as an English teacher in China, living an incredibly interesting lifestyle for the last four years. And I was applied to the State Department because after four years of living in China, now he can speak Chinese. So he's become extremely valuable and picked up an amazing skill, and uh, he's going to work with the State Department. That's so that's exactly what happened. That's a good point, too, because there's a question of language. Because say you want to go and work in Poland, right? How do you go? You, you don't know Polish. How are you going to go and work in Poland? It's, it's not straightforward. But if you were to go and work in some English-speaking context at the same time, you could take classes in Polish, you know? So that's a good way of getting over the language problem because you, if you're going to actually fully work in the foreign country and not in, as a sort of English speaker who helps out or something, you, you need the language, you need to be fluent. You can't go, you cannot go and work in, Pol in a Polish company if you don't speak Polish. So you, you Going and, and as, as a sort of English teacher, and then taking Polish classes, and then learning along the way, and then you could I, you could you can pick up the language. Another path that students take is if if you know this is something you want to you want to do, and you may be looking at different career opportunities in your field. If you work with a larger international organization, you need a couple of years' experience in order to be posted abroad somewhere. And the more likelihood to be posted abroad is having that language background. And so if this is something you want to do, you know, if you find a job that has offices in other countries, take classes in that language while you are developing in that field. You know, start working with those offices in that, in that country um, and learning about, about the culture there. Because then, you know, as you know, your, your managers are making decisions about where you can go, showing that you have that interest and that knowledge will help will help get you um, there. You're not necessarily, if you start somewhere, you're not going to get posted, or you're not going to go and be somewhere internationally right away. They want to see that you have that international experience, that you can transition to doing that, even if it is short, shorter um, business trips or things like that, but building building that um, portfolio. And sometimes the companies will help. Like a good friend of mine worked for Price Warehouse Coopers, and he did a year in France, and the company actually helped him prior, like part of the requirement yeah. was he had to take X amount of French lessons like prior yeah. to even going that yeah. he had to work on for six months or what have yeah. you, and like kind of pass different levels in order for him, or I think they were over there for 
three years in order yeah. for them to be able to do that. And so getting ahead, which I thought was great. Yeah, like that the company invested and that, like you said, he had already been there for a while and got exposed yeah. to the working with his peers abroad. So just as like a clarifying question, or clarifying question, we've we've got a couple of different routes that you can get abroad, right? So we talked about education as a way that you can do this, uh, ESL, teaching English, and then. I guess the third one we haven't talked about is just applying for a job in your area of field going in a certain direction. So for all of the people that have done this or been a part of this, if a student is very interested in going abroad, is there an easier path one way or the other? So in other words, is getting a student visa going to be the easiest process? Is How does that play out? I would say probably teaching English might is be the, the easiest, easiest way. Usually because you have a really marketable skill. It's in high demand in a lot of places in the world. And a lot of places have specific but visas. Yeah. The other thing is to is that you want to look at opportunities right after you graduate. So a lot of places like the UK, um, China have, have visas that are specifically designed for you know certain types of jobs or certain time periods. So, under, like if, if, or if you go, you do a, a degree and then you can stay on. So understanding like, those visa categories, that's easier than applying for a job that you find online. Um, so organizations like, like BUNAC um, help with a Tier 5 visa um, in the UK. There's uh, organizations for teaching English in China, Korea, the JET program to teach in Japan. Um, really provides a lot of infrastructure and sets you up and that and in that program there's intensive Japanese so a lot of people who do the jet program stay and develop and have careers in in Japan so unless you really have strong connections in the country or are planning on applying to a university you know going through an organization that facilitates international um, employment can really um, help. It can cost more though. So you want to understand and you want to do your research and make sh and talk to people who've done it to make sure it's legitimate and that they are actually helping you out and um, that the, they're placing you in the right uh, in the right employment opportunities because it's also an area where there can be um, it can lend to some exploitation um, and and there's I know a lot of us who have you know friends who who've done this you've heard there's been there's stories and there's people who've kind of you know been taken advantage of so yeah it's it's to that point I think it's also very important to consider the where the there's a global market mm -hmm. where there's a, a lot of demand generally yeah. in Eastern Asia parts of the Middle East and the Gulf um, those those countries tend to you know have a higher economic stability <laughs> yeah. when it comes to paying for teachers um, so this isn't necessarily universal, yeah. Um, yeah. but it, yeah, it's, it's important to consider. And, and there's might be a different, where the jobs are might not be where you originally want to go. So that could be something to think about. You know, you may have done um, your study abroad in, in Denmark and in Copenhagen and you want to go back. It's a lot harder to find a position in Northern Europe than it is to find a position in Korea. You know, see so if you're if you might you want to be open to maybe places that you didn't originally think, but if you want to build an international career, you know, going and, and spending time and living and working somewhere else may be able to get you to that destin your your desired destination um, through a different path. That's also if you um, two other <coughs> slightly different tracks would be. I mean, there's the Peace Corps as well, another yes. sort of volunteering yeah. organization. So it will get you abroad and introduce you to different areas of the world. And then maybe, you know, you can translate that into something else mm -hmm. in a region, for example. So that's a, not a bad thing to consider. And again, to get you that initial exposure to, the, to being abroad. There's also, you know, if you have, and a lot of people in Philadelphia do, have Italian or Irish heritage, yes. and you have a close relative, you might be able to get a passport. Yes. You might be able to get a passport. So, if that happens to be a possibility, and then that would give you access to the European Union as well, to working across the European Union. 
So don't, if, you know, just in case that's a possibility, don't, don't forget about it. <laughs> I'm still trying to get my Italian citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> Follow up with it. How do you think students um, can best assess even maybe like the right fit for them in different cultures or countries or kind of do that in work? I think, I think it's talking to, it's, it's, trying to go there at some point. It's also talk, talking to people who've worked there, um, and not being shy to ask family, friends, relatives, um, getting, if, is getting re referrals or when you're talking to an organization, asking if there's people that you could talk to about that experience, um, and doing a lot, of, a lot of research, reading the news in that country. Um, there's a website, an organization called Diversity Abroad, that gives country profiles. So um, if, a if you're looking at, you know, am I gonna fit in? Am I gonna find people that um, I can interact with? Am I, is my identity, uh, am I gonna be comfortable as, as myself um, in different, in, this, in a city, in a rural community? The diversity abroad will kind of give a profile of, um, what um, religion is like in the country, what LGBTQ um, issues are like, um, gender issues around gender, um, so you can have a sense of, um, like, like the US, you know, every country is very diverse, very different, different regions um, have um, a different types of, of values and, and norms, um, but understanding those on, on that level is really important and talking to people. I don't know if, I, when students prepare, when you guys prepared to come to the, to uh, Jefferson East Falls and the, and the U.S., what were, how did you do that? Who did you talk to and how did you learn about I, I was lucky a bit because uh, there's a Turkish professor in Jefferson University, my program. So I sent an email about the university and she, she really gave me a, a long response that in detail. And so I applied for other universities, but in the end, and I knew that Thomas Jefferson and Philadelphia University also maybe it can be a merge between that. So as I said to you before, it took one year for me for that preparation. So we do lots of research and money and everything. Uh, and the thing is also, uh, when I first started to my research, I think about my future also, what's going on in like my construction industry, we can say that, what will I do? Because after my graduation, uh, school gave me three years. I mean, one in the OPT program and two years with STEM program. I'm working. I can work in US easily if I get a job. So it's also a good uh, chance for the students to come to US. This country gives them uh, that opportunity. If you have a good experience and if you are patient also, <laughs> because <laughs> like interviews, other stuff, it really taught, uh, it takes longer than my country. Like my job, and now I'm really in a very good company in US, but I was the only candidate, <laughs> and it took four months for me to get that job. <laughs> like in the end, my supervisor told me, oh, you were the only candidate. I said, <laughs> it took four months. <laughs> like four months, that's what it takes. <laughs> I think it's the both of you here, and even Mary, coming here would be an experience that other students can learn from you as yes. well. What is the adjustment like? What should you expect? Um, what are the challenges coming to a different country? Uh, uh, I can, like, culture, we can say, in the TVs. Uh, also, like, we are familiar to the American culture, so it's easy for us, from me and my wife. But if it's another country, probably we have lots of problems with that. And the language, like in Turkey, they teach us English in a very early age, so we are lucky for that. So just the uh, challenge is here, here is competition. If you are good at your work, so you can easily get a chance in this country. It's more competitive. So I would say, well, my process actually took me nine months as well. Um, I was here in the United States. I've been coming here, but it was on business, um, B2 and YouTubers visa. Mm -hmm. And I have loads of families. So prior to Philadelphia, I've actually been to 10 different states and States, but I have never been to Philadelphia, and I did not know one person here in Philadelphia. So I made all my research 
everything was on the internet. I got all the information to the bus, to wherever we, to the Airbnb, like literally everything was over the internet. You know, I could see the, like, I would use Google Maps to like, just do like, you know, the school views and pretty much everything. And it was amazing because every time I would call to speak to somebody, whether it was in Anna's office or our nations, like somebody picked up the phone on me and I had to complain because there's a lot, especially financial issue, trying to pay back wise because you're paying from another country, you're restricted. But um, the school was amazing, they were kind, but there's a whole lot of challenge. One, if you're not that mature, probably because I was doing, you know, I had other clients here I was working with as well. So if you don't have that experience, the boss will literally run you over. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, but I came in like prepared. Like he said, I've still not been able to get an internship, and this is my second year. I've been to only that knows how many interviews, and I've like to over 200 and something jobs online. So, it's really physically hard, and you have to be extremely patient. But yeah, so once you're prepared, like you're prepared mentally, it will be, it's not easy, but it's, yeah. Yeah, you have to put in the work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's there's always a, an element of cultural adjustment that you have to, you know, you have to deal with. Even you know, I'm from England. It's not that different. We have a special relationship with America, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we you know we speak sort of the same language. <laughs> so it's it's not very different. But um, but yeah, there are there are cultural things that are different and that's in your sort of daily interactions with people and you know understanding how again we speak the same language but understanding exactly what the nuances of that language mean and what the expectations are what the pace of life is how the different culture prioritizes different things how people represent themselves differently you know all of this and in in the workplace if you're going into a workplace that's tricky as well. So when somebody says, I want this suit, now what does that mean in that cultural context? It's unclear. Um, or if somebody, I don't know, says, well, it was quite good. What, what does that mean? You know, what, what does that mean? It means a different thing in England as it does in America, even though we're using the same language. And so it, it's, it's a question of sort of figuring out the expectations on you and just the nuances of the of the interactions and the general pacing and prioritizing of different values. It's all. I think for initially you have to do a lot of observing. You have to be willing to sort of sit back and and just figure things out a lot before you actually. And, and be aware that yeah, and be aware that even even small things can can um, be really unsettling or things that you're not you think won't be a big issue, will be. So frequently one of the things I hear with, with culture shopping when you're first in a place, and even for a while, is grocery shopping, just, just buying how to buy vegetables or you know how to buy food or how to order at a restaurant. Um, when things don't go the way you expected, it, it, it can often be a trigger for larger, you know, larger frustrations. And so it, days can be a little bit more tiring in the so things that here you're not going to be, you know, going and picking up a few vegetables is not a big deal. But if you're in a new environment, that can really tire you out, and it can be really a lot harder, and that, you know, can affect all of these other things. And that's not even in the, that's not even just sending emails in the workplace or figuring out how to use a copy or what size paper um, goes in the copy machine. And and, um, and so know it, just knowing that those challenges are being there are there, being mentally prepared that things aren't going to go your way um, is is important because then it gets easier um, every time you go somewhere new because you know those things are, you know that that's um, something to expect. So I think some of the things that we're talking about are all these other sort of like byproducts of things that you gain as a, as an, an experiences that you get that you can utilize obviously in your, in your workplace, but how how do you convey those during interviews or on a resume or something that when you're applying for jobs? So whether it's that you've had prior work experience in a different country that, you know, from the country you're applying to, 
or that you've traveled or studied in another country, you've navigated some of those transitions. How do you make some of that valuable to a future you know, possible employer, aside from just the content knowledge you gain from a program of study or the ex work experience in your industry? Um, Can I say that all students at Jefferson who have done the Hallmarks program <laughs> should be able to do this because <laughs> you have two learning goals. You have the empathy learning goal and you have the global perspectives learning goal that directly speak to this. Empathy is about seeing different perspectives, global perspectives speaks to itself. So you and you have your e-portfolios and you have things that you've done, you have your reflections, and so you have evidence that you have met these learning goals and you have been you are able to navigate diverse environments, to understand concepts like ethnocentrism, that you are aware of different perspectives of the global context. And so you you actually you know you do have these tools. And if you've been on study abroad as well, it's important to reflect and or traveled or had experience in different cultural contexts. It's important to be able to ex re to reflect and express how you know your experiences, what you learned, why that was important, and to convey the fact that you are flexible, willing to learn, and open to you know different and diverse experiences. Yeah, I think when you know talking about those experiences is really thinking of moments in in your global experience and being able to narrate that. Not just say, oh, I've, you know, I worked here and it was amazing, but I got, <laughs> I got to work on this project with, you know, people from these different um, countries. Um, we, we developed this. I had to learn about um, how um, building codes are in this country, or I had to um, you know, learn how to write a, develop a, write my own a CV um, using a different uh, format than we use in the U.S. And so those are skills like being really specific about those. Um, it's hard because when you have an international experience, it just feels so different and so big. But being able to drill down to like those that one or two moments that you might have forgotten, and so like keeping a journal, keeping record of this, and then you know, and keeping a portfolio. So you can go back and kind of pull that experience and write about it in your cover letter or talk about it in your interview. You know, just putting it on your on your resume is not going to do as much. But if you can kind of tell that story, that's what people remember, um, and you can emphasize that. Oh, there was this disagreement because we didn't understand what you know, sort of good or that's not so bad means. Um, can yeah. actually speak to. I totally agree. I think that humorous anecdotes really go a long way. <laughs> Um, I mean, in interviews, if they're yeah. conveyed properly. Yeah. We've talked a lot about jobs and mm -hmm. so forth, but having traveled abroad and wanting to do more of it, it's an experience that goes beyond just work experience. Yeah. It's opening up your mind to different things that you wouldn't even expect. We live in a very insulated area with the East Coast. We think everyone is like us, and they're not. <laughs> uh, and seeing that is, is such a mind-opening experience. And also seeing the similarities. Um, one of the greatest experiences I had, I visited a home, and I was with the five-year-old, because I was with Rachel Paraka, and he was talking with his mother in the back, so I was stuck with the five-year-old. And it turned out, he was just talking about cartoons, just like my three-year-old. You know, there was no difference between him and a, an American kid. So seeing the incredible similarities and how we are, our whole universe is the same, we're not nationalists, just throw that out there. <laughs> um, and how we're all the same and we're all human beings is a very mm -hmm. valuable lesson, I think, yeah. that we take back. And also appreciating the differences in culture and the richness that go beyond what we see each day. So I think yeah. that is not just for jobs, I think it's really just improving us as human beings. Yeah. Travel is absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I went to study abroad, I learned that there's different ways to do things, mm -hmm. and they're equally as good. I mean, I really, that was, you know. Or like, better. Or better, yeah. Different doesn't mean better or worse, but you know, I don't know, I, you know, I had some idea, this is how you have to do this. No, you don't, because look, other countries are doing these different ways, and it's working out okay. Mm -hmm. It was eye-opening, it was good, it broadened, it broadened. I think it's also important to consider what younger generations are exposed to 
For example, with the internet, when you have young kids that have access to devices in their pockets that basically can teach them all about you know, you know, American standards, or they might just watch friends on their phone, right? Mm -hmm. you, have, you have this early exposure that we're seeing with a younger generation where these kids have this enriching cultural experience. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at Netflix right now, they're developing content mm -hmm. from all over the world. It's very, it's incredibly international platform. You can watch Korean dramas. You can watch Russian period pieces, um, and you, you know, and you can see that. So you, well, you there's like a British channel. There's yeah, like there's so many. Channel, you know, you, you have you have this. We, we can take advantage of that, and you can see those similarities before you go. You can have conversations about cartoons. So these open up opportunities to to have those. That you just have to build in that time to talk to people. You know, learn languages, reach across languages, find ways to communicate. Um, well, the technology, that is an important piece. We even have, like, if our students are studying abroad, employers will Skype interview. Like, we're able to interview, you know, candidates so much easier back and forth. Yeah. Um, and even I know, like, in my kids' school, they're doing Skype, like, as part of their geography lessons. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they Skype with another school. Yeah. And they have to give each other's clues, like, as to where they are in the country. Mm -hmm. or the, you know, so things like that that I think make it fun, you know, yeah. and um, and I know even for me, when I started working, I happened to work with a Dutch startup company, which was very interesting, and I just kind of fell into that, but, so even though I was here working with them, I felt like I got this whole other perspective mm -hmm. and insight, of course, yeah. into this fair culture, because they were all Dutch, I was the first American they had hired, you know, so there I was at, you know, whatever, 24 and trying to help them navigate the American landscape a little bit um, working so and, and then I got to go abroad you know with the company and everything so even opportunities like that you know in turn like in your own countries like just working with diverse people and, and cultures is and I, yeah and, and taking advantage of that technology one thing that's you know I think there's so much online it can um, it can be hard to kind of break out of that feed you have going and to kind of go and learn about other um, places and cultures. And one thing I hear from, um, from students who've come back is that they were um, shocked at how much other parts of the world know about the US, um, and yet they may not know who the prime minister is in their host country. And so it's really important um, to understand, you know, the the context, the historical, political context of where you're going, um, and understand that, um, you know, most people you're interacting with are going to know who the Speaker of the House in the United States might be. Like, these are things that, so you also should know your own, your own politics and history and the country you're going to politics and history, and that way you can have those conversations, um, and it also, sh it shows that, that respect, um, and that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just want to say, you know, what you're saying the point, like the technology is what saved my life here. Mm -hmm. I knew the bank I wanted to use before I got here. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to get a sector card before I got here. I knew literally everything. <laughs> yeah. So the first day I landed in the airport, I'm like, this and this and this is what I need to do mm -hmm. to get me to the bank. So people were like, and you've never been to Philadelphia. But you can't just wait for it to scroll in your feet. You have to go and find it. I, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. it, it gave me actually, like, locations of yeah. TV bags, the one that was in the <laughs> school, and also, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, pretty, it's super easy right now. Yeah. So one thing I, I would want to end on to say is that if, you know, we've given a lot of opportunities, a lot of programs mm -hmm. that you all have worked with and been a part of. Um, but what would you say to a student who is hearing this, is getting a better idea of what they're going to encounter, but is really hesitant to take that risk um, or to put themselves in this situation? You know, what advice would you give to them that kind of took you or made you feel like you could you could do this? I would say you can always go back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Just, you know, because I, I, I mean, just, you know, 
if you've got it's it can only add to you yeah. your resume your career trajectory it only benefits <clears throat> what you're doing and then you could always leave if you want it's to. not permanent it's not permanent yeah. are you it's afraid not, you're going to miss your friends if your friends are family yeah you're going to be a little you might be a little homesick but you'll make new friends or you know exactly. why do you want to go well i want to i love museums i don't know well then going to see those or you know like you have yeah. to sort of break it down yeah. so, it's not uh, like, yeah. it depends on the time also like if it's 2007 or 8 probably i couldn't find a job here because there's an economic crisis here or construction industry <laughs> so it depends on the time when you are here so sometimes you need a lot so if you want to stay here more like yeah, it's not a choice like yeah yeah and a lot of times with this you know when you're you know, in school or you're just out of school, this is that's the time to try it. Yeah. You know, um, there may be opportunities later, but I do hear like I, I frequently hear people say, "I wish I did that. I wish I studied abroad. I wish I worked. I decided I was going to miss this, and I was unencumbered. Yeah, yeah. And it opens up those new opportunities later. So it's not just a kind of that initial opportunity, and that initial opportunity may be tough, it may be really hard, but the next opportunity will be easier. Um, and so you kind of get started, you know, the, when you get started on it early, when you have the support of a university or of a program, um, you know that you, know, you, you, have, you have people, you have a support network to help you, and so when you might be doing that more independently later, um, you, you can do it, you can remember what materials you've got, you can rely on that training or, you know, what I'm hearing from everybody is prepare yourself for the trip. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you want yeah. once you get it? And then prepare yourself before you go. And it'll be easier. Yeah, and I agree with Madeline. I think for students to really know you have resources here, this infrastructure of being at a university and in this time, which is fabulous, you know, and you don't necessarily have that once you leave. So I always stress that to students to make sure you connect with your people here and you take advantage of the resources and use um, your peers and networks because we're all here to support students and we, you know, people want to see college students succeed and do well and move on and move to the next step. Yeah, and as an international recruiter, it is important and helpful to convey that you've been through that experience as well if you do have international experience yourself. Um, I always talk to my students and I tell them about my experience in Taiwan. I learned a little bit of Chinese, and it's a great, it's a great way to communicate with them a little bit more effectively, um, to show them that I have been there. I've had to deal with these hurdles as well, and that they're not. Well, thank you, everyone. This was a great discussion. I appreciate everyone participating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.